Hey guys, this is Jason Bitbender Brink, and I'm the president of Blockchain at Gala Games. We are an ecosystem that empowers players, listeners, and watchers all over the world. You are listening to the Edge of NFT, where we empower you with the best intel on the edge of tech. Keep listening, and I'll see you later. Peace. Hi, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and learn why an NFT by any other name may be the preference of the masses. And our guest's clever way to find customers in a second grade class. Also, our candid thoughts on what's hot in the news with Yuga Labs, Binance, and a lot more. And don't forget, we put together a gathering called NFTLA just a few months back that brought out thousands of the world's most innovative doers in the NFT space and beyond. Head to nftla.live to get tickets to our bigger, bolder, better, but also just as intimate and impactful event happening in Los Angeles, March 20th to the 23rd, 2023. We'll see you there. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Jason Bitbender Brink. He is an entrepreneur, blockchain theorist, avid gamer, and he is currently the president of Blockchain for Gala Games, the world's leading gaming platform with blockchain integration. Jason's involvement in the cryptocurrency market space started in 2014, focused on the use of blockchain for the decentralization of various ecosystems. In 2014, he won the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation Global Development Network Prize for the creation of the A-Dollar, a novel blockchain-based solution to solve the problems endemic to foreign aid. Jason is a strong believer in the ability of blockchain to create transformative change, both in business and society. As the president of blockchain at Gala Games, he devotes considerable resources to the creation of stable play-to-earn ecosystems as a means to generate new opportunities for gamers around the world. And he's coming to us, if you're watching the video, from outer space, it appears, which is pretty damn cool. How's it going, Jason? Glad you like that. It's going okay, man. This background here is from Last Expedition, which is one of the titles that we've got on the on the burner right now. It's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, well, that's some good quality art for sure. Oh, it's extremely high quality. It's extremely high quality. The entire game's built in UE5. It's absolutely gorgeous and riotously fun to play. Very cool. Yeah, that, very exciting. Jason, I was sort of reflecting back and it was almost exactly a year ago today that we had you on the show. It's been a long year, man. Right? Are you on the sort of dog year philosophy or cat year? Is it seven years, nine years? It's, has it been 12 years? This year? Yeah. I didn't have white in my beard at the beginning of it, put it that way. It's been a rough year. I have been traveling almost nonstop this year. I've probably done pretty close to at least 600, 700,000 miles this year, which is just a nightmare. It's just so much travel. It's been quite the year. And then, you know, all of the stuff in the market and all of the just in general meltdowns that the whole space has been having. It's been quite the year. 
Yeah, I would agree. But there's been some really cool innovation that, that you guys have, have spared in. And you've kept like a really strong, positive beat on Twitter that has really been helpful in terms of carrying that torch and some personal anecdotes in there mixed in with more traditional posts. So appreciate sort of where that's coming from. I guess I'm kind of curious, like, how does that reflect sort of your feelings on the overall gaming industry as a whole? And I guess what's your postmortem on the last year for, for the gaming industry? How about that? Oh, my God. There's a lot of progress that's been made. There's a lot still that needs to be done. I think one of the challenges that we are confronting as an industry is that let me actually back this up a little bit in a bull market, any kind of rubbish can survive. Okay, there were all sorts of terrible projects that were launched during the last bull market, and this bear is shaking them out. And I think that that's really important because one of the biggest challenges that we have in the space, especially in, in gaming, when you look at it from the perspective of Web3 gaming, is pushing through the traditional Web2 narrative that blockchain is bad and NFTs are bad and all of these things. Just reading, uh, it was a an interesting rundown by Kotaku. Um, which obviously always hates NFTs and hates blockchain and all of these things. We're talking about how NFTs are just this terrible, terrible, awful thing, and they're still here, damn it. But for me, it's been an amazing, ridiculous year, and it's killing bad projects. It's going to leave room in the long run for the really good projects to grow and flourish and thrive. Yeah, I totally agree. There was a, a survey we put out on, on Twitter recently just about the word NFT and its impact on adoption. And about three out of four people thought that that word isn't doing us any favors. But the underlying technology there, the innovation that's happened, the cultural evolution that's that's occurred this year is unmatched. Totally agree there. Yeah, I think especially around the, the circles that we we roll with. There's a lot of very reflective people. I mean, self-reflective. And so I think there's always that moment where there people are decrying some specific thing about what's going on. And if tease the term that whatever you do, you take a minute, wait a second, let me check in on what's going on here. And I think for me personally, the movements that we're involved in around ownership, creator economy, decentralization, I think of it in terms of the web two evolution or even the internet revolution. It's like something's going to arise out of all of this, which we're going to look back on and whatever the name's going to be, it's going to be something very special, right? Regardless. Yeah, absolutely agree. But I do think that there, we do need to work on that naming as, as an industry. This is something we've always been really, really terrible about. I think the blockchain space predominantly has two types of people. They have people who are absolutely cutting edge people who really, really love new tech and they, they're early adopters and they're willing to take risks and things like that. And these types of people can accept a name that is maybe not ideal. We're okay calling things NFTs or cryptocurrency. We're okay talking about cryptographic, different cryptographic disciplines and ZK rollups and snarks and all of these different things. And then you have, and so for people like this, calling something a different name doesn't matter. But for the rest of the world, those names mean a lot and they matter a lot. And so that's one of the things that we as an industry have to kind of fix. We have to come together on that. 
Yeah, I think it was Shakespeare that said a ZK roll-up by any other name is still a ZK roll-up, right? Exactly. I read that on Wikipedia. Yeah, pretty sure that's how that works. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I wrote that on Wikipedia. <laughs> so I'm actually a musician, which you may not know. I played music, I went to music school, I played jazz. My participation in this whole revolution of blockchain has been the show, and I haven't really been able to integrate my musical life into it per se. Oh dear. Well, we'll have to fix that. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll, I put out like one or two tracks on NFT or something. I've got some ideas, but yeah, you know, gala music is a thing here that I want you to get into. And I want to talk about it. If I want to get involved in gala music, what are my opportunities as a fan, as a creator, as those other players in the industry and you know, like the producers and that kind of thing? What's the structure? The first thing that I would say is if you want to dig in deep into gala music, the person that you really need to talk to is Bucks. Gala Music is her baby. I can give you some rough ideas of the shape of the ecosystem, but it's not really me. It's not my thing. I'm more on the game and ecosystem side of stuff. But basically the premise is that you as an artist, if you know, so I'm wearing my Snoop shirt today, right? One of the things that Snoop likes to talk about is he likes to talk about how when he first signed his first record deal when he was much, much, much younger, basically got screwed by the record agency because they had all of the power in that relationship and they were able to do that. And it took him many, many, many years to actually have creative control over what he was doing and even longer before he actually owned the stuff that he had done in the past. And that's a problem. And so what we want to do is we want to open things up for more musicians to be able to own their own product, release their own product across our ecosystem, integrate it in with our, our network of uh, decentralized nodes and players and make it so that fans have something special that they can access. But at the same time, the artists themselves are in a position where they're much better served by the industry as, as a whole. That's sort of what we're aiming to do. So we'd love to bring you in there somehow. Awesome. Actually, you know what? Interesting enough, speaking of Wikipedia, that was one of my claim to fame music projects is I wrote a song a day based on the Wikipedia article of the day. Very nerdy. <laughs> I was embracing my nerd side. <laughs> that is horribly nerdy. Horribly nerdy, about as nerdy as it gets. Maybe that's the place. Where are these? I need to see these. Yeah, they're like on like an Apple website that you can't even access the mp3 files anymore i'm gonna get it i'm gonna get it up and about there okay reverse interview question what was the weirdest song that you had to write about oh my gosh there were so many because these articles are so random it's so gremlins to the movie the wonder bra antioxidants lead to nitrate obviously lead to nitrate clearly it's a classic really it defined a generation lead to nitrate all right. So we're talking music guys, but there's also this gala films side of things also, right? So film, such a massive medium, such a, an influence uh, globally. What's going on in that side of the house? We heard there's some really revolutionary things happening. There is. There absolutely is. There's a ton that's going on in the music and film side of things. One of the things that you're, you're seeing right now, actually, I think by the time this airs, uh, they will have been burnt. But right now there's a sale just for the next day or two on Razor. And Razor is this amazing film piece 
that we're working on in conjunction with a, a few other people in the industry that I think is going to be very, very, very cool. I also think that when you look at games as a business is larger than film and music combined. But the reason for that is because film and music are set up in a way that is inherently inefficient. And so one of the things that we're working on doing is correcting some of those inefficiencies to unlock some of that value, something that we're very excited about. Yeah, sounds like it. I mean, all these different moving pieces, it's rare to find a company that is focused and recognizes, I guess, that DNA of all these different spaces and how they're intertwined. So they are all clearly intertwined. Very much so. But just, yeah, and, and I know you guys, we, we talked about it when we last connected about how important the talent pool was that you guys have there and the deep experience across these industries. So again, kudos for, for pulling that together and seeing those connections. Thank you, dude. We've been building this like crazy, this entire bear. We've just been building and building and building and we're starting to release things and it's some things are starting to come out. So I think we're in a good spot right now. Absolutely. And David Bianchi, good friend of ours. He obviously, he spoke at NMTLA. He performed there. Ethan met him too at a fun, of course, Hollywood Hills party. That's LA style. And he was sort of telling us something's brewing, guys, I want to tell you. And he couldn't tell us until, of course, the deal was done and he called us up. And so we heard the news directly when Razor was getting off the ground and had been sort of following closely since then. Looks cool, doesn't it? Super cool. Did you guys get in on the drop? Yeah, we, in fact, we shared with all of our fans on, on the show and in Twitter. And so, yeah, we were definitely involved. Part of what you guys are doing that I think is really unique, started with the gaming and sort of goes uh, beyond it to music and film is these nodes, which sort of provides sort of a framework for powering up your ecosystem. I, I'd love to talk a little bit about why these nodes are so important to the infrastructure and functionality of what you're building. The first thing that you have to keep in mind is that we want in the long run to have a, a, an ecosystem that is truly decentralized. And as you build towards that, the concept of decentralization means that you have to have other people involved. You know, you need a bunch of different players, and this is where the nodes come in. In all of these ecosystems, nodes do specific things. The founders nodes, which are the original ones in the game ecosystem, have a slightly different role, but the film and music nodes, essentially what they do is they host content specifically for that ecosystem. So you can pair your node, or eventually you will be able to pair your nodes with NFTs, pair your nodes, and be able to uh, have your content be served as part of the growing ecosystem. Yeah, it's really cool. The nomenclature here, we talked about this a little bit earlier, the way these things work. Familiar with nodes in terms of Ethereum and, and kind of mining and things like that. Right. Slightly different thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's an echo, right, of that kind of idea. One thing powers the other. So, you know, you've got a very unique lens here into this uh, play to earn ecosystem or whatever. I know there's different ways people like to call it, but, uh, you know, what's your take on the new opportunities gamers are looking forward to here in 2023 and beyond in this ecosystem? The first thing is that I want to think of this not as a play to earn, but a play and earn. And I think that that's a very important distinction. A play to earn means that the reason that you're playing is to earn something, which means that you're not playing because it's a fun game. That's a problem for us. We believe that gaming should come first. 
Give us a little bit more on this topic of play to earn versus play and earn. I certainly got some comments on that. I totally agree. Well, I mean, I think one of the criticisms that we oftentimes get from Web2 gamers is they look at, at blockchain gaming and they're like, oh, well, these are crappy games. The only reason I would play this game is if somebody paid me. That's a problem, right? And so that criticism is, unfortunately, oftentimes extremely valid. And what we strive to do at Gala is we strive to make quality product to create something that is actually a good game and to make it something that you would play regardless. You would play just as a Web 2 game. And in fact, uh, with Superior, we're experimenting with a dual launch strategy where we launch it on our platform as well as on Steam as two separate SKUs, specifically just to see what people to show what a quality game can be produced in a Web3 space, and you can access it via Web2 as well, just to get people into it. Right. I feel like there's this deep, I don't know, at least in the, in the circles that I run, run in, there's this deep human, maybe almost intuition around a possibility or a need or desire around this, that like the things that you naturally do have value. I think that's why we love these stories of like the filmmaker that spent all his days working in a video store, watching videos and geeking out. And then one day he actually gets to make the films and he gets to be a success at it. And Or the Mr. Beast YouTube star, right? Whose mom is upset that he, you know, failed out of community college, but, you know, somehow his passion works out. So I totally agree with that, right? It's not play to earn, it's play and earn and earn and play or whatever. We have a deep desire to kind of have that recognized. So appreciate that framing. Absolutely. I mean, I think that when you look at it from that context, what gamers are going to be seeing more here in the future is a much, much, much greater focus on participating in the creation of bigger and better ecosystems that are more tailored to normal gamers and less tailored to sort of the almost fintech side of, 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 you know, blockchain. Right. Which is its own niche, which is cool that there's a niche for gamers who are in, they want their like rate of return on their investment to be tied to some troll or whatever. And it's cool. Right. But I totally get what you're saying. Right. It's, it's something that should be more accessible. Yeah. I mean, look, not to poo poo on the DeFi movement, but I was just in a conversation with someone about the hollowness, if you will, of that segment of the business or of the industry this last year. When you don't add a layer of culture and utility to DeFi, um, like it's just bigger returns after bigger returns after bigger returns. And, and, it, and it, it's it's a bubble. Inherently, it's a bubble. And it's designed that way. It is specifically designed that way, which is horrid because it is all of the things that regulators like are afraid of. It's something that's designed so that number always go up until it doesn't. And, you know, it's no wonder that they clamor to try to want to fix it when you look at it from that perspective. Yeah, true, man. When we look ahead here, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, you guys have a lot going on, but I know there's a lot more here in the pipeline. So when we look ahead here to 2023, what else can you share with us that we haven't covered yet? I know there's a lot of stuff under wraps, but give us some of the goods, man. There's a lot under wraps, but the games that are starting to be released are freaking awesome. 
like absolutely awesome spider tank superior last expedition is one of the ones that i'm looking forward to a lot miranda's the progress that has been made on these things is phenomenal in the time that has, has been allotted to them essentially it's really interesting is like last year at about this time in fact at exactly this time we're having galliverse and galliverse was our big event that we were having in Las Vegas. We announced a bunch of different games and things like that. Now, of course, three months after we announced those games, the community was like, you announced those games and it's, it's, they're, they're not out yet. It's been a whole three months. Why haven't you released the games yet? But a typical game development project is a two, three year timeline. We have made such incredible progress over the last year. I absolutely cannot wait for people to be able to see what we pulled off this year. It's really cool stuff. Yeah, and again, that's a distinguishing element. I think when you really look at blockchain gaming and what Gala's doing versus so many other people, it's what we talked about a year ago and what you guys are really following through on, and that's delivering high-quality games, games that are of the quality that would attract Web2 gamers. It's so important. It's critical for this next phase of what's happening in blockchain gaming. So that's really cool to hear and excited for it. Can you talk to us a little bit, Jason, about like your game development process and maybe is there anything unique about it that you guys consider to be your competitive advantage or any any particular sort of insight that you have around how you collaborate with the community on these games? Because there's a lot of games being built and some some are good and some are not so good. Absolutely, man. I mean, for me... The way that I look at this is we have we have two different ways that we build games. The first is we have a first party internal studio where we're building games essentially for ourselves. And the second is we have a third party, somebody else on the outside building for us. Either of these models work. What we're finding is that when you have a game and you're building that game internally, you have much greater control over it and that can have a huge positive impact on you know the overall outcome. So I guess you could say that our, our secret sauce, I guess, is the team that we have that works with these, these various games. We have a team of economists who will go in and help put together a, a viable economy. We have a bunch of different things like that and it makes a pretty big difference to be able to have an actual team that you can dedicate to something like this. Yeah, it's, it's helpful to understand. And one last question that we like to ask folks like yourself, who's you're taking a broad view of the space, you're active on Twitter, you're seeing what else is out there. Are there other projects that have come along this year or that are starting to, to come along that inspire you? I think in the gaming space, not really. There's not a lot in the gaming space or the Web3 gaming space that I find inspiring that we're not already doing. I think that's a good thing. That sounds awful, but... I love it. I think that's the boldness of your vision there. But what about beyond the gaming space? In the space in general, absolutely. And that, I, this this would be kind of a little bit of a shout out as well, I suppose. Uh, there's, a, there's a gentleman that I know, his name is Vinay Gupta. He runs a project called Materium, which is not the same as the Materium in Mirandus, which is the world's most irritating coincidence. But uh, Vinay, he's at Leashless on Twitter. What they're doing is they're working on essentially doing NFTs for everyday real goods like 
houses and real estate and things like that. Hold on. I'm, I'm looking at the website. This is really cool. We're talking about passports too. Yeah. He's one of the smartest guys I know. So massive uh, shout out to him. Let's get him on the show, man. This is really cool what he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm more than happy to connect you. He's one of those guys. We have a running conversation about sort of life, the universe and everything. A very cool guy. I love his bio. Former Ethereum launch coordinator. Like that's all you need to say. Well, beyond that, I mean, the amount of stuff that he's done, like his main job back before he got into the blockchain space was essentially like national scale disaster preparedness creating all sorts of, of mobile housing for refugees. And he made those those little dome things that you see at like Burning Man. You see those domes that they make, like they, these weird domes out of like three sheets of plywood. They're called hexayurts. That's him. He invented those. Dude just has done all sorts of stuff. Very, very interesting guy. Super cool. We love to kind of get folks on the listener's radar and our radar too. It's always fun to hear about somebody interesting that isn't always getting the attention or at least not in our circles. So cool, man. Hey there, NFT space cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplaces, well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe, it's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole enchilada NFT service can help you, yes you Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. And then we're going to move on to Edge Quick Hitters. Now, Edge Quick Hitters is a fun... He's ready to go. He's doing like shooter. He's doing like shoot him up. Yeah, he's ready for it. For the listeners unfamiliar, this is just a way to get to know Jason a little bit better. 10 quick questions. We're looking for short single or a few word responses, but we can feel free to expand if we get the urge. He is more than ready. Let's dive into the first one. What is the first thing you ever purchased in your life that you remember, Jason? First thing I remember purchasing was a little plastic dinosaur i was probably three i saved my uh pennies 
this is a straight up purchase. This isn't like you won some games at Chuck E. Cheese and you redeemed your tickets. No, no, no. This was a purchase. This is the part where I had to like self audit. I started work very young. Okay. My family had a business and I started working for like pocket money when I was probably five, probably a borderline child labor, but past the statute of limitations though. Yeah, no, it's good. No, it was, it was aircraft hardware. And so I would help count and package parts and things like that. And I would get little bits of money here and there. And when I was really, really young, my dad would like, give me a nickel if I would sweep the shop floor, that sort of thing. You got to pay kids when they don't really understand money. That's the best time. It's like, oh, look, like you get change back. Look, I got more back than I gave them. This is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember buying, it was this little plastic dinosaur that I I bought. And it was probably, this was back when you could actually buy things for a quarter. Because again, white beard hair now. It was a while ago. Yeah. There's a spectrum, by the way, of knowledge about dinosaurs. And it's there's like a curve, right? It starts with like five-year-olds or five, six, seven-year-olds are probably the most knowledgeable about dinosaurs. Then it fades off a little bit on into adulthood until you become an actual... It's played with intelligence. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yes, exactly. So by the way, I have this... I, was, I just pulled this over. I just... Don't tell my son. I got this cool dinosaur what? discovery puzzle with like yeah i'm excited about that there you go christmas present totally totally a dad he's five so it works all right what is the first thing you ever remember selling in your life jason when i was in second grade i discovered that if you put white glue on top of paper and then stuck it to the inside of your pencil case it would laminate it because the glue would dry and it would dry clear and it would dry hard and shiny. And so I created a white glue laminating service for all of the rest of the kids in the class. <laughs> Are you serious? All right. And they paid you like money or? Yeah, yeah. It- they pay me like money and, and stuff like that, like a quarter or something like that. Bring me your shitty bookmark. I'll make it pretty and, and stuff. Yeah. All I did with that was I was the kid that like had the glue drying on your hand and then you started to peel it off peel and it pretend off, yeah. to the teacher that your skin was peeling. <laughs> oh, man. That is one of the most creative answers to that question, I think, in all like 200 plus episodes of this show. Really? Oh, come on. Can you make me one, bro? That's really what I want. <laughs> yeah. If I could find that pencil case again, I totally would. A quarter <laughs> over this. All right. So, Jason, what is the most recent thing you purchased? The most recent thing I purchased, I went and I bought my wife some cough drops. I have a sick wife and kid right now. So that was the recent purchase. Some like ginger honey, manuka honey things. A lot going around our team as well, Art Basil, but hopefully they'll feel better for the holidays coming up. What is the most recent thing you sold? Well, that's a good question. When was the last time I sold something? Like, you mean me personally, not like our company has sold this thing. It's not a an individual company, right? It's not just you. So yeah, you personally. Okay, me personally. Oh my God. But it could be a personal NFT if that's the deal that you have. This is tough. I have to think about this one. I sold not too terribly long ago. Well, okay, sold is not exactly what happened, but I sold a silver 
coin to my grandmother so she could give it to my daughter. She insisted on paying for it. I don't know if that counts. That's cool. Uh, here in, in Canada, they have these like the silver dollar things that are like of a certain year and then they have like baby feet on them. And so my daughter was born and, uh, you know, that little 2021 baby foot coin. Very, very cool. I have a lot of principal transactions like that with my mom where it's like, we're going to get a gift for someone. And she's like, no, I'm buying this. I am paying for this. It's yes. And then I think in the end, it comes back out of my wallet, but it's all good. It doesn't matter. It makes her feel good. That's the, the important part. As long as they're happy, that's the important part. 100%. And don't forget, you did just sell, I think, me and Jeff, some sort of pencil case lamination thing. I'm not even really sure what I purchased, but... That's true. No, it's, it's great. You're going to have to mail me a postcard, a bookmark, and I'll take care of it for you. And next question is, what is your most prized possession? My most prized possession... I'm a big fan of Stoic philosophers, okay? And they sort of... They're philo they're, is that an oxymoron? Can you be a big fan of stoicism? Like, <laughs> like putting those together. I'm just wild about stoicism. <laughs> but stoic philosophy, I think, is something that has helped me a lot in terms of getting through things. Epictetus, Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, all of those philosophers. And I think that one of my most prized possessions is I have a little tiny gold coin that is uh has marcus aurelius on it it was roman coin and i have it in a in a little tiny pendant a safe somewhere back in thailand i don't have it with me here unfortunately so an actual original actual roman coin wow i have roman coins all over the place they're very cheap and uh fun to fun to collect so i, I recommend that as a interesting hobby if you like old dirty things awesome nice and of course you know gabe weiss's uh stoics collection the nft drop shout out to gabe he's really a big fan of stoicism as well i actually haven't seen that i'll have to go check it out yeah it's a really cool very popular drop sold out he came on the show and talked about it a little while ago but the philosophy that's really inspired him around sort of the chaos of the space that that we love all right next question if you could buy anything in the world jason digital physical service experience that is currently for sale what would it be that's a great question. I have no idea. I, I'm, I'm not a wanting things person. I don't sort of structure myself around stuff I want. That is very tough. Got your eye on any vacations or anything like that? Man? I don't get to take vacations. I haven't taken a day off in two and a half years, man. And I need to. Like, I seriously need to. I'm really crispy right now. Anything that I could buy, I would probably... I like some land. Like, I'd really like some land. I would like giant piece of forest somewhere put a little house there go be a weird old man with a white beard in the forest make sure there's no cell phone towers nearby no internet like it's, i just need a place to unplug for at least six hours at least maybe even a whole day totally agreed i like that that's a long time it is right it gives everyone a sense of, of your world right now dude yeah. I did 50,000 miles in September. It was a nightmare. It is nonstop, always on. I am exhausted. I thought I had a busy September. I went to Singapore and Korea and then Napa and then Utah, but it doesn't sound like it compared to you. So September was 
Vancouver, Tokyo, Bangkok, Manila, Bangkok, Singapore, Bangkok, Tokyo, Vancouver, London, Paris, Madrid, Seoul, Busan, Seoul, Bangkok, Tokyo, Vancouver. Wow, even just saying it sounds like a difficult task. It's painful, man. <laughs> I hope you got some IVs and some good massages along the way. Wow. None, actually. It's terrible. Besides a uh, proclivity to uh, pack light, if you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? My insatiable sense of curiosity. I am fascinated by everything. It pisses my wife off to no end because say some random thing or show me some interesting, well, to me, it's interesting article or something like that. And my response is usually either fascinating or interesting. And she's like, why is that interesting? Why is everything interesting to you? The simple reason is because everything is interesting to me. It doesn't matter what it is. I find it interesting. Knowledge is cool. And if there's anything I could pass on to my daughter, I hope that she feels the same way about stuff. Are you one of those people that can't really invite all your friends to the same party because they won't get each other because you're into so many different things? Nobody. A, I don't have many friends. I really just don't. But it's like I've got friends who... It's really good friend of mine. I grew up with, uh, you know, this guy, his name's Curtis. He's really, really big into second life. And that's basically it. It's all he really does or plays and that and art. I've got other friends who are into crazy stuff. I've got a handful of friends who are big into magic, a whole bunch of blockchain people I know, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It'd be fun. Yeah. So if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? could eliminate one of my personality traits. If I could remove doubt, one of the problems that I have personally, and this is like real talk, like hashtag real talk here, right? Is I am perpetually filled with just like deep doubt that something I could have done better, I should have done better. It's like the the flip side of the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? A lot of times you have people who don't know that they don't know something. Their ignorance gives them a feeling of competence. And then there are people who the the more stuff you know, the more you realize you don't know. And so the better you are at shit, the more incompetent and awful you feel. If there was a way that I could remove that feeling, I would gladly do so. Yeah, I'll take that one too. I just feel like there's so many things that I want to do in the world. I'd love to see Edge do in the world. And it's easy to sort of look back and say, well, I could have done this on top of doing that. But then you realize like there's sacrifice there. And at the end of the day, there is no perfect solution to any problem. Robert Piercig talks a lot about this in in Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, which if you haven't read that book, read that book. It will change your life. But he talks a lot about how there's a little bit of a problem with the scientific method in that as much as you research, as much as you learn, the only thing you'll ever get is more questions. You never, ever run out of questions. And it is a manifold expansion of questions and ignorance the more you go so the more you more you know the less you know 
it's really interesting. If I, if correct me if I'm wrong, also in that story, there's the story of the, there's like a wife annoyed with their husband and like getting, kicking out on some deep specific details or something like that. Oh, no, it's a, it's a fascinating story. He talks a lot about his wife in context of uh, his motorcycle repairs. So he would work on his motorcycle and had a specific way to think about it. And other members of his family wouldn't see things the same way. He also kind of went insane in the book. And that may be the part that you're talking about, too. All right. Well, these next two questions do not require too much deep thinking. So this will be easy. No doubt required. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? Went to the store to pick up cough drops for my wife. Well done, sir. Well played. Dropped off cardboard at the recycling center, too. Earned some points. Earned some points at the wife and the planet. Good job. What are you going to do next after joining us on the podcast? Probably go downstairs and cook dinner for the family um, before too terribly long. That's a giver. He's a giver, folks. Got to lean in and take care of the uh, wife is pregnant or 17 month old daughter. So I have a lot to make up for here. Just a quick bonus question. What games are you most excited about for in 2023? Last Expedition, I'm super excited about. I think that people are really going to love that. I haven't been keeping up with the Web 2 gaming side of things as much, but I believe there's a new Homeworld coming out here pretty soon, too. And I played the hell out of Homeworld. And so that is one that I find very interesting and would love to play. Awesome. Well, that concludes our Edge Quick Hitters. You survived. Um, well played on your answer, sir. Next up, we're going to hit some hot topics, see if we can fit anything in here. Some good ones. So the first one is an SEC investigating Yugo Labs offering of unregistered securities. SEC has opened an investigation and Binance announced an update on the security notice with a focus on security and has completed its global listing process for the BNB token. Yeah, I mean, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Like, I feel like bored apes, whatever, all this stuff. I mean, it's a lot of it's kind of in good fun. There's, I don't know how much it crosses the line. Do you have any thoughts on this, Jason? I mean, I, as I understand, the announcement of that investigation came from Yuga Labs themselves, not from the SEC, which I find interesting. And so, yeah, I thought that was just generally speaking an interesting fact. As far as I know, they never offered anything. And it's not even Yuga Labs that did it as much as a player-controlled DAO or a user-controlled DAO. Um, so I don't, I don't know where that's going to go. I'm not a lawyer, nor do I play one on TV. But I honestly, I never saw them make any sort of promises or promise any sort of returns or tell anyone to buy their tokens or anything. It was very much just a, you know, here, you've got an ape, claim this thing. Once you get involved in NFTs, you got to start to learn about like the Howey test and the securities and all that stuff. And there's definitely that, uh, that there's that all of the elements have to be satisfied. And one of them is that there has to be this like concept that somebody else is going to do work on your behalf. And I don't know if anything here really smells of that. It's really one, one really interesting aspect of the NFT community is there's almost this community spirit of that everybody's going to work together to make something happen and bring value to the ecosystem, stuff like that. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's I, I, I don't either. Any thoughts, Jeff? Josh, we move on to the next one. It's still early days on that stuff. We're trying to figure it out as the space is growing and evolving. But regulators regulate, man. That's what they do. They look for things to regulate. 
and I don't recall where I heard this. This is not my original thought, so I'm not I'm not trying to claim it. But one of the things I heard at one point in time was that uh, if you understand that regulators are doing what they think is the right thing in most cases, like yeah, there there may be some people who have bad intentions out there, but most of them are, are legitimately trying to do something that is helpful and protects people. As long as you understand that that's the direction that they're coming from, you can sort of reach out and meet them halfway. They're not bad people. They just probably, in most cases, don't even understand the technology. And people have gotten hurt horridly in this space, and they're trying to prevent that. And I think I personally find it onerous I don't fault their intentions in most cases. Yeah. And it's also a process, right? It's like the development of laws and regulations take a really long time. And they do that for a reason to really establish all the different ins and outs, the checks and balances to do the research and understand. And we're still really, really early it, blockchain overall in general, really, right? In all these different spaces that we've been moving the needle in just, you know, over the last few years. So it's going to take time, but clarity is nice. And open conversation is nice. And I think that perspective is a helpful one, having dealt with regulators and other industries over several years. It just, it takes time, but having open dialogue helps. Yeah. And we talked about terms and definitions earlier, right? I mean, I think that's really something that, that I think it's why it's interesting to the folks who find it interesting, as you find a lot of things interesting, Jason, as you mentioned, is like, we're just dealing in new territory here. Is that a security? Is this in a security? And it's it's actually kind of exciting to witness like the birth of new ways that we need to define things and categorize things. And yeah, it's interesting. The way that I look at it is like this. If you had, yeah, well, if you go back in time and you find when the first joint stock company certificates were issued. Okay. So, you know, for what we're talking about for like the British East India company joint things like that type of thing where you would buy interest in a ship, right? You know, I think that some of the things that you, you saw there in terms of governments trying to go like, whoa, 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 what is this crazy new thing? You're letting the pores buy a little bit of a ship. No, no, that can't be okay. You know, allowing that sort of process of understanding what's happening and then going through the process of understanding, defining, and then eventually regulating is something we've seen many times now. I remember when email first became a thing, watching senators like debate whether or not you should charge postage for emails that should go to the postal service. Oh God, yes, it was fascinating. It's like, you know, they'd be like, well, you know, if we're gonna send an email, how is the post office going to get paid? We should make them put a stamp on it. It's fascinating. You can go back and look at some of the early discussions around this because it was at the very beginning causing a significant problem for the postal service because suddenly nobody was sending letters. Like when is the last time you actually got a letter? That's a good top question for you. One of your little quick questions. Who was the last letter you actually received from? My bet is it's a, a holiday or birthday card from your grandmother. Yeah, Christmas cards really, right? Yeah, add other than a holiday or birthday card. Everything else is either bullshit or came from Amazon. I got a subpoena for something, but yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
fortunately i was i was on the victim side of it but oh man and i don't even think that counts yeah all right this is fascinating territory as we said i'm sure we could go on and on about it i even had one more thing to say but i'm gonna resist i think we should move on to the next hot topic next hot topic is about the binance ceo discussing the future of nft ticketing cz he says the crypto exchanges is piloting NFT ticketing for sports events. The NFT concept events are able to sell tickets with a lot more ease and convenience. This is we've been talking about this from the very start as like one of those kind of no-brainer concepts for NFTs. Surprisingly enough, not something that has emerged relatively quickly, though. It's people are working on the details and making it functional and getting people used to it. But um have you have you ever bought any NFT tickets, Jason, to an event or or things like this? I bought NFT tickets to Galaverse. Does that count? Is our own event. So I think NFT ticketing is fantastic. And CZ and Binance, I think that they're definitely in a good position to sort of help promote that because of the sort of the cachet and weight that they have outside of the blockchain industry. Even if you're not in the blockchain space, you've probably heard of Binance. And I think that's an important component here. So I think this is fantastic. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think some of the comments on Twitter reflect some of my thoughts. Like one person said it's one of the most blatant and obvious use cases. It just makes sense, which I, I totally agree. But some of the folks are like, why not use Get Protocol or, or partner with one of the NFT ticketing solutions? I know we've looked at a lot of them for NFT LA. There's a lot out there already. And it does sort of make an interesting perspective on what is Binance's role in the ecosystem? Are they fundamental pipes? Are they infrastructure? Or are they a service provider too? I think CZ is a a pure entrepreneur and he's open-minded to new ways of of generating revenue and and new ways of, of being involved in they have a position of market dominance right now. And so getting involved in in ticketing does make sense for them. At the same time, my hope is that innovation in that area continues to occur through a lot of different avenues that that we're seeing and excited about from Yellowheart to Relic Ticketing to some of the other players out there. Yeah, like what Yellowheart's doing, like talking to Josh Katz and all the different like ins and outs that these guys got to work through in an industry that's, you know, massive, been around a really long time. So many considerations. When do you release money to the organizers of events and and how do you handle chargebacks when uh, you have tickets that are happening in many cases very anonymously, which is great if you want to just easily exchange tickets and not have to worry about a bunch of middlemen. But there's these other considerations that they haven't fully fleshed out. Uh, Because it's hard. It's just a really hard thing. I think from Binance's perspective, they're primarily looking at it. And we talk to a lot of different exchanges about a lot of different things. And one of the main things that they're looking for always is user acquisition. How do we bring more users in? And more importantly, how do we bring more users in that don't know about crypto? How can we become the home of these new users? And I think that from that perspective, and this is why he probably opt to have it built internally rather than do some sort of partnership, is that you build it internally, they're your customers. So they go, somebody goes to buy a ticket on Binance ticket or whatever it is. Now they have a Binance account and getting an account 
is not cheap. Getting somebody to create an account, you have to put significant UA spend into that. And so this is a great way to do that because it, getting an account is a side effect of people doing the thing that they're going to do anyway, which is buy a ticket. Guys, and it also, let me just say, there's an opportunity coming down the pike right now for another big ticketing player. And you got to have the resources, capital, people, infrastructure to do it. But it's coming. All the shit that just went down with Taylor Swift and Ticketmaster with the Live Nation merger, it's a clear monopoly by any definition right now. And there's an opportunity there for somebody that's ready to get after it. And I think Ticketmaster is going to be looking for a competitor to stand up and be like, hey, this is not a monopoly, right? So they can actually make it make the case like so many big companies do. So I think this is a big play that has a macro um, impact as well. I totally agree, Jeff. And on your point, Jason, this is something we've also thought about. I mean, when you work with an outside ticketing company, essentially there's someone else that has all the data too. That's the data to customers and that's really valuable data. And it gets into privacy issues. It gets into sort of data sharing issues, all sorts of stuff. And ticketing companies' policies could change. They could be very sort of tight with the data today and then suddenly tomorrow, not so tight. Or we've seen with Twitter, Elon has sort of shined the light on it. They can say one thing, but do something different behind the scenes. So I think anytime you you have an opportunity to have a direct relationship with customers, you want to take advantage of that. I think it's just good business. Yeah. Now I don't know whether my Twitter feed was just boring or they shadow banned me. <laughs> I think it's more about where your tweet's boring or do they shadow ban you? <laughs> Well, all right. Well, that was fun, hot topics. Thanks for playing the game there, guys. We're almost to the end of this journey here. Before we officially wrap up, we want to give a chance for Jason to give a shout out to anybody that uh, he thinks might be worth a shout out. Somebody maybe our, inter- our listeners might find interesting or, you know, someone you want to give some love. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that I would like to give a shout out to the Gala community in general and uh, Gala Gold specifically. You guys are awesome. They hang out in our Discord a lot at galagames.chat. And this is where I talk to people in the gold community all day, every day, constantly in there. So shout out to them. Shout out to some of them, Faz, Forged in Crypto. Chewbacca, a bunch of people in there, just absolutely fantastic. Also, I mentioned him a little bit earlier, my buddy Vinay at Leashless on Twitter. Totally cool. I'll connect you guys. Uh, I think that he would, uh, you guys would really enjoy having a conversation with him. He's very erudite. He is one of the most erudite, well-spoken people I have ever met. The story of how we met is hilarious, but won't get into that today. But yeah, definitely cool to check him out. How long is the story? You might want to hear the story now. <laughs> so it was uh, 2017, 2018. I was at uh, Davos for, at Crypto HQ during the WEF. I was just having a bad day. And I was there sitting in, in one of the rooms and there were these guys up there having a panel on like blockchain and how blockchain is going to change the world sort of thing. And it was one of those conversations where it's a highly idealistic conversation that is completely, totally disconnected from reality. And they're like, yeah, we're going to replace all voting with blockchain. And, you know, that way we can vote whether or not we want to go to war and it'll be great. And we can all vote on all the things. Hooray. And clearly that 
is ridiculous. And so I started asking some rather pointed questions about specifically until we can, uh, I think my, my quote was, until we can tokenize tanks and tokarevs, there is not going to be any blockchain voting anywhere because the powers that be have a vested interest in continuing to be, if you will. And so I, I was kind of asked some difficult questions and then the entire thing ended and Vinay came up and sat down next to me and he goes, you know, a lot of times I go to these events, a lot of these people that I meet, they're idiots. Uh, you, sir, are not an idiot and I would like to talk to you some more. He used some different words, but uh, I'm not, not gonna use those. He was a little bit more, a little bit more colorful, but brilliant guy. Well, you certainly are not an idiot and it's great to talk to you. So that's a good note to wrap on. We appreciate you being here. Make sure people know uh, where, especially with your family sick and all this stuff, we want to let you go soon here, but where can listeners go to learn more about you and the, and the projects you're working on? Check me out uh, at Bitbender Brink on Twitter and uh, at Gala.Games. You can see a lot of the stuff that we've got going on. And then our Discord, galagames.chat. I'm always there and come in and say hi. Very cool. And we're going to do a giveaway with you guys. We'll talk more about it on the socials. Did you want to share any details? Should we leave that off until uh, we publicize it? I'm going to give out a spider tank. I'm going to give out a hero tank. So for spider tanks, which is one of the games we just released, it's they don't make them like this anymore. This is a generation one hero tank. So it's about as good as it gets. Cool. All right. Sounds good. We'll get more details on socials. Okay, we've reached the outer limit at the Edge of NFTs for today. Thanks to everyone for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on the Starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now. Rate us and say something awesome. And go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing Edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.